Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. If you think I'm sounding chipper, then you're absolutely right. I am a little bit chipper (laughs) because, (laughs) A, we've got the longest day behind us which is great. It's a long, smooth descent into Christmas now, fantastically. And B, I've just found something that Kieran's not very good at, and that's geography. It's just <laughs> Kieran's just explained to me how he was meant to book a holiday in Tenerife, but accidentally went for the Cape Verde Islands instead, which <laughs> I'm sorry, because that just made me laugh a lot. But it's also a little insight into what we talk about before we start recording. <laughs> How did you manage that? Why have you not got a geography spreadsheet? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I just, <laughs> I, I, I was taking instructions from the Baroness, so therefore, you know, it was in one ear, straight out the other. Uh, and she says, right, I've given you the instructions, just go ahead and do it. And she'd given me the name of somewhere, and I thought it began with a C, and I ended up in Cape Verde, but we were supposed to, it was the name of some village in... Uh, in, in in the in the Balearics or something like that, uh, it was it was it was vaguely in the right direction, except a lot further. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot that considerably further, Kieran. Yeah. Uh, and how long were you there for? Uh, we were there for about ten days. Oh, I bet it felt longer than that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's not a lot happening in Cape Verde. <laughs> I imagine it's the most exciting thing that's happened here for ages is the bloke from the price of football arriving on the wrong, <laughs> the wrong island. Um, shall we crack on? It's news day, Kieran, and we do have some uh, proper news stories to get through. Uh, the first one, I'm afraid, is Derby County. Uh, again, we managed to get through two whole pods uh, without mentioning Derby, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was good news. And the administrators, uh, Kieran, have publicly admitted that they're looking for a, a short-term loan to pay the staff wages for June. Is is this standard practice for an administrator, Kieran, to actually ask for money? Well, you you don't normally do it publicly. Right. You know, the, the first thing you do once you are appointed as administrators is that you work out how much money you've got and how long you've got to, to carry on the business. And normally you will have negotiations yeah, you know, perhaps with the bank who's who's close to the appointment, um, with a review to providing finance, yeah, you know, selling it on the basis of if you can sell the company as a going concern, it's worth a lot more than if the the company is liquidated. So yeah. that there is a genuine business re- reason for this. But yeah, you know, we are in now into month nine of the administration, and we've seen on regular occasions Quantumar, the the administrator, saying we're nearly there, nearly there. You know, a sale is imminent, um, and and uh, you know that that has been uh, proven to be a false promise. We're not, uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm not necessarily saying that they are uh, they should be held wholly responsible for this because they shouldn't. But uh, they they did arrange a loan with MSD Holdings, which gave them sufficient funding to see Derby County through until the end of the most recent season. Um, and that uh, kept the EFL happy because that meant that it was integrity in terms of the competition, yeah. um, in terms of the championship. So that was good. Um they said they could have had uh, more player sales and made more people redundant, 
but they felt that in doing so, uh, it would it would uh, compromise the, their their attempts to avoid relegation, which which is an interesting viewpoint because if you've had a twenty one point deduction, yeah. you know, re- relegation is is a fair chance. Um, and and then we came to May. Chris Kirchner said, "I'm taking on responsibility for the costs after the the end of the final match of the season, the seventh of May." Uh, and then uh, somebody else paid the wages mm-hmm. uh, in May, and that's never been publicly uh, disclosed, but we know who it is, and most journalists we speak to know it is. Um, I understand that that person is now trying to get that money back from Chris Kirchner, um, and to which my response is, well, good luck with that. I wish yeah. you all the best, um, because he, he's a person that has, has certainly gone to ground as far as Social media is concerned that the best the best thing to do is to is to go to a is to go to a golf course and the chances are he'll be <laughs> he'll be wandering around there with an inane grin trying to get a selfie with a player. Um, so we, we now have the issue of the June wages, which are due you know, in the next seven days. The wage bill is estimated uh, to be around about one point eight million pounds. So clearly, a substantial amount of money to find. Yeah. Um, there has been talk about the Appleby Group potentially advancing that money. Um, they are one of the interested parties. We know the other is is the Mike Ashley Group. Um, we've not heard anything from them, but that's that's the way that they tend to operate. Apart from the fact that uh, there is uh, potential litigation taking place, and we'll we'll come back to that litigation yes. issue a bit later. So um, how the June wage bill is going to be paid. And once we get past the June wage bill, the wage bill does substantially drop because players' contracts expire. Um, And and there are people, yeah, Derby fans might be saying, well, I'm I'm surprised that some players are still there. Uh, But but my understanding is that some players might have substantial bonuses which are due to them if they stay until the 30th of June. So there's, there's there's lots of uh, rumor and counter rumor and conspiracy theories. But uh, yeah, for the, the first time, I would say I'm, I'm getting a, a, a bit too twitchy in in respect yeah. of Derby. I, I've been confident all the way through that there will be a solution to this, and, and that is still my my broad view. But uh, it, it is dragging on far too long, and you know, I think we need to separate the football issues from the finance issues here. Um, you, you can't have a football club unless you, we have that funding sorted out in the course of the next seven days. Um, yeah, I think the EFL are trying to get as involved as they can, but uh, one of the things which has come to pass that they are they are they are not being allowed to do so because there are uh, confidentiality agreements between the interested parties and Quantumar, which uh, seems to suit everybody apart from the EFL and the future of Derby County, in my view. Um, so it's 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 a frustration. Um, we just want to get this thing. Uh, we just want to get things thing to put to put to bed and and to allow Derby fans to uh, you know to talk about something other than who's going to be owning the club. Will we have a club? And, yeah. and focus on you know, the the usual crap that we talk about over the summer. Yeah, who are we signing? Who are we letting go? And so on. Yeah. Uh, f- forgive me, Kieran. There's a couple of questions off the back of that. And, and it is all rather worrying, isn't it? First of all, you you sounded very confident that you know who the mysterious source was who paid the wages in May. Um, yeah. Are you able to, to reveal who that is and why they haven't done it in June? And secondly, is does the fact that Quantum are the administrators are publicly asking for a loan indicate that the Appleby Group and Ashley – aren't is interested in buying a club because surely they would be the first people they quantum would have gone to to get that money yeah um i'll answer those questions in turn i i, I don't think it's appropriate for me to say who paid the wages okay, fair yeah, it was, it was yeah. paid by somebody who had who had the decency to do so right okay yeah, they didn't have to so so fair play to them so if they right. want to keep it uh quiet I'll, I'll tell you after the show yeah um and uh uh, with regards to the administrators, it, it is certainly an unusual approach to take, you know, because the minute you go around handing out a begging bowl, the person lending the money to you is going to try to leverage on that to try yeah. to get some some benefits. So uh, it, it's it's not a great position that Quantumar find themselves in. Uh, yeah, I've 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 not been there praising them 
significantly over the course of the administration. I think at times they 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 have have let themselves down uh, with with the lack of communication. And to say that the the lack of communication is part of a grand master plan yeah. by them, well, that's come back to bite them on the bum uh, now. So. Uh, I, th- I think the the Appleby Group and the Ashley Group are still interested. What we're also seeing in in, in the latest press release from Quantumar is an admission that uh, the price paid by potential owners may be insufficient to avoid the fifteen point penalty for coming oh, out of administration, oh, right. um, and, and that might be indicative. And that wasn't the case with Chris Kirch. Now, Chris Kirch, you know, he he appeared to be saying all the way through, "Yeah, well, I'm going to give enough money so that over the three years we'll pay the thirty five percent, we'll avoid the fifteen point penalty." But at the end of the day, yeah, you know, he was talking out of his ass. He didn't come up with the money. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that that broadly ties in with with my gut feeling was that you know. Why would you be paying more than twenty million quid for a football club if you're not getting the stadium, uh, or you're having to pay an extra twenty million pounds, twenty five million pounds on top of that uh, with the stadium? Because you're not actually buying very much. Yeah. Um, so this would suggest that uh, perhaps that's also the view taken by the potential bidders, um, and they are willing to take that fifteen point penalty hit, which is. Well, first of all, it's a shame for Derby County fans, but it's it's not insurmountable because they can. I'm still firmly of the belief that you can get into the playoffs with a 15 point penalty. Yeah. Um, but secondly, yeah, there are unsecured creditors. There are people who supplied to Mel Morris's Derby County in good faith goods and services. Many of those people are local. Um, without wanting to sound too much of a conspiracy theorist and this is and this this probably does make me sound like I'm I'm wearing a tinfoil hat remember I was contacted by Derby County about two weeks before the club went into administration and offered consultancy work now that would have meant two things first of all I would have signed an NDA so I wouldn't be able to comment Um, and secondly I wouldn't have been paid so I, I had worst of both worlds. So I wouldn't be able to say anything about the fact that I was I wasn't being paid, um, and I wouldn't be able to comment over the course of the administration. Now, yeah, I know from my own experience, before an administrator is appointed, normally the administrators will be uh, doing some discreet work. And if you take a look at Quantum R's fees, you know they clearly they 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 had had some involvement. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to sound. Uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've changed my name to Grassy Nollington or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm now thinking, what was this sort of as part of the plan to keep people who do open their mouth quiet? This, this would have achieved it because there are noticeably other parties who have been very silent with regards to mm. criticism of Mel Morris, such as the local council. Mel Morris is still. Um, uh, a, an ambassador for Derby County business. But of course, they can't say anything against him because they still need him to sell the ground to somebody who will rent it out to the new owner. So he he does appear yeah. to still be very much in the box seat with regards to this. And, and, and that's a disappointment because I, I don't think he's conducted himself in a manner that somebody who claims to be a lifelong Derby County should do. Yeah, tinfoil helmet or not. Kieran, we know from experience that you normally find ways around not talking about people you're not supposed to talk about, as Lawrence Bassini's friends and family will probably testify. But I've, I've never known – I know we've only been doing this two and a half years, Kieran, but I've not known a story like this where everything you say raises more questions. And what you've just said raises two more questions for me. Firstly, how much would it take a new owner to, to buy the club for to avoid – a 15-point penalty. And secondly, if they do find a kindly benefactor to pay the wages for June, to lend them the money, does that mean that if Appleby and Ashley take over the club, they will then have to pay that £1.8 million back to that person? Well, to answer the second question first, um, not necessarily, um, you know, because the the new owners will be buying the assets of Derby County. They will not inherit any of the old liabilities. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. So any benefactor um, would have to say, "Well, you know, why am I doing this? 
and what is in it for me because we, right. we, yeah, we are talking a large sum of money so it's a donation um, it's going to be a donation not a loan in isn't it well yes yeah. uh unless as part of the negotiation ongoing negotiations the appleby or ashley group say well if this person does do this we will look after them uh after the deal but they're under right, yeah, right. but you know the, the, but the deal's not over the line uh, and right. uh, you know and and things are are certainly dragging on um so so uh, that's that's the second question with regard to the first question um realistically i i think you you're you're talking an overall price for stadium to get uh, MSD paid off and the unsecureds and everything. You're, you're not going to get any change out of the best part of 40 million quid to include the fees of the administrators and so on. Wow. Um, and that's assuming that HMRC are willing to take a 75% discount um, wow. on what's owed to them. Um, and, and they might be a bit arsy about that because they'll say well yeah msd holdings have got 100 percent, and they're charging interest on the loans um football creditors are getting 100 percent. mel morris is not having to pay anything in terms of his personal guarantees and we on behalf of the taxpayer have been expected to effectively subsidize this deal when yeah we've got a legal entitlement to to more money so it's it's going to be a very delicate position but uh, yeah, you put all the sums together. Stadium plus uh, plus uh, you know, the, the, the secured creditors plus the administrators' fees uh, and also the, the the professional people they've they've employed. And, and there's not a lot of change out of forty, perhaps forty five million wow. for a League One club. Yeah, with five players. <laughs> yeah, or seven. Um, I think they got now. Yeah, one of them is on the way to Palace, apparently. Uh, Kieran, this is arguably the most spurious link I've ever done. But uh, <laughs> Body Prince Charlie and his Jacobite army reached as far as Derby. Did they? Uh, yes, they did, before deciding to turn around and go back to Scotland and their ultimate demise at Culloden. And we are travelling from Derby to Scotland, Kieran. That's a, <laughs> that's a link that I think Lucy Worsley herself would have been proud of there. Or that Scottish soft. That Scottish bloke with the the long hair who walks along cliffs talking about history, Neil Lover. But the um, and this is an odd story, Kieran. And I know you've spoken to people about this, but the SPFL have agreed a new title sponsorship deal with Cinch, but it doesn't include one of the biggest clubs in the FP- SPFL. Yes. So, so this was this was a deal that um, was put to clubs in the SPFL around about a year ago. So Cinch are a, a car online company. Um, yeah, they, they they spend a lot of money on advertising. They they're involved in advertising with you know sponsoring the England cricket team and Palace. They've been sponsoring Villa, Palace. You know, so so you know, they're, they're quite high profile. Um, I think they're linked to We Buy Any Car as well. Yeah, We Buy Any Car bars them and Cinch sells them. So I'm, I'm, I might be wrong on it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not great on cars or geography, as we both know. <laughs> um, but um, so, so this was put to a vote uh, by Scottish clubs, and and by all accounts, there was an overwhelming response. And this was around about twelve months ago that the deal would go ahead. So, so Cinch became sort of you know. Their their logos were on you know when footballers and managers stand in front of those yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know polythene uh, you know, advertising hoardings things, um, except uh, Rangers subsequently said, well hold on, one of our directors who is also involved in sponsoring Rangers Football Club, uh, Douglas Park, he's involved in in car sales, and. Uh, we we don't want to have anything to do with Cinch because we think there'll be a conflict. Yeah. Um and, and this has been dragging on for some time. And, and if you take a look at the SPFL constitution, it it does appear that uh if you have a pre-existing uh relationship with a sponsor and there is a conflict, then you don't have to buy into this. So so um it's it's now come to so Rangers have been refusing to to have anything to do with Cinch. Um, they've also been pointing the finger at the SPFL senior management. You know that they're not very happy with them, uh, and, and there are you know that there are historic issues going along to what happened with you know Rangers' demise and, and relegation and, and being put in yeah. League Three yeah, yeah, and so on. So so yeah, there's there's clearly some bad blood, um, but it, it it now has come through because all the other clubs are, are, are in favour of the deal 
but, but rangers and uh, you know rangers aren't because of, of what they perceive as a conflict of interest um so it now appears that this the the deal is going to continue as far as the spfl are concerned um and rangers will be uh, formally you know told that you don't have to comply with it and on top of that um that the the value of the deal because you know yeah, let's face it yeah, rangers are a huge player in, yep. in scottish football they 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 get a lot of tv exposure they get a lot of exposure in, in the press and so on yeah. um the, the value of the deal well. is, is is broadly the same uh without rangers as it was and it looks as if rangers might even get a share of the deal uh. as well even though they're not going to to get involved so yeah, you, you could argue that all parties have come out of this with, you know, as, as a degree of positivity. Um, SPFL clubs continue to get money from Cinch. Cinch have actually got an awful lot of exposure on the back of this, um, and and Rangers feel that the points which they've raised have been have been noted. Um, they also believe, uh, as do some of the other clubs, that perhaps the value of of Scottish TV rights have been undersold by the SPFL. Now. I've I've spoken to some people in in broadcasting and said, yeah. you know, I've, I've had a look, you know, compare Scottish rights to Danish rights, Norway Norwegian rights, and so on. And uh, the response I've had is, well, you know, we're not prepared to pay more, and we don't know anybody else that's prepared to pay more. So uh, it's all very well saying the rights are undersold, and and we've also we we had this a few years ago. With the EFL as well, you know, the likes of Leeds and Derby were saying that the uh, EFL had undersold yeah. the sale of rights. But again, th- there's not that many broadcasters around, and when you do speak to them, they say, "Well, you know, we- we've got the Premier League, yeah, and that that focuses. You know, pe- people have got a limited amount of time that they're willing to watch football over a weekend, and you know, and for you and I, thanks to." Uh, both having wonderful and extremely tolerant wives, that number of minutes is actually quite high. But you know, squeezing in extra matches in Scotland, especially if it's not, let's be honest, if it's not Rangers or Celtic, you know, what what are the viewing figures? They they tend to be very low. Um, then then the, the 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 perception of the market is, and the broadcasters we speak to is, the the Scottish deal isn't isn't a big deal, but nobody else is prepared to pay more. Mm. Uh, Ali's very philosophical about the amount of football I watch because I think she considers every minute I'm watching football to be a minute I'm not bothering her with jokes and impressions <laughs> and attention-seeking. Um, interesting you say that the other teams are happy with Rangers' approach, even though Rangers, you say, are getting money out of the deal. Wouldn't the other teams be happier if the Rangers' money was shared amongst them? Because you think, okay, fine, if Rangers don't want to be part of the deal, why are they still getting money from it? Well, yeah, if, if you ask any person, would I would you rather have more money or less? They're going to say more, but yeah. um, I, I think you know they, they they will have taken legal counsel, and uh, yeah, it's the deal is carrying on. So you know the fact that Cinch are, are are willing to go along, I think that's that's more a relief for those Scottish clubs because now they've got you know guaranteed revenues over the the remainder of the deal. Um, so I, I think they've said, you know, why, why, why get into an argument with Rangers over this? Because there's, you know, there, there's bigger fish to fry. And, and Cinch must have a fair bit of money, Kira. Because, like we say, they're, they're, they're sponsoring the SPFL, they're sponsoring the England cricket team, they're sponsoring Palace. Ryland won't come cheap for the adverts. So <laughs> no. they're, they're clearly doing well for themselves, aren't they? But uh, but we're we're talking about them, so it's it's working, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Chelsea is in a much calmer place than it was uh, a month ago, but there is some fairly significant senior management changes there, Kieran, haven't there? Yes. So um, what we've seen is um, Bruce Buck. Um, he has he has left uh, his position at Chelsea. He's been there you know, 15, 16 years. Uh, Marina Gravinskia or Gravinskaya, um she it looks like she's leaving and i think people expected her to say she's she's a very highly thought of executive yeah. um but i think it was it, you know if if we believe what we we read in the press she she will have made somewhere in the region of 30 to 50 million from the deal uh to sell the club to uh the the bowley group 
Um, and Todd Bowley, who sort of has been sort of the, the front of house as far as the deal is concerned, even though I think 60% of the money is, is coming from Clear Lake Capital, it looks as if he, he's, he's now going to be the chairman of Chelsea. Um, so he will be taking more of a, uh, of a front, front role, a much more a dynamic role. Um, and it's been interesting some of the stuff that he's been coming out in saying. And now, now this could be a classic case of managing expectations, but um, he's saying, well, because of FFP, we can't necessarily spend as much money as we would have wanted. Uh, you know, it looks like Lukaku is going out on loan. Uh, gone, yeah, they just paid gone, ninety-seven yeah. million for him. Yeah, there yeah. could be a that could be a hit to the accounts uh, for some of the loss of there. Um, but what was also interesting from my perspective is one of the things he said is football is is undersold, and, and the, you know I think we we mentioned that American potential owners are genuinely of the belief that uh, football's got still a lot of growth potential. He said if you take a look at the NFL, the NFL's got one hundred and seventy million fans. Uh, and look at the money that the NFL generates from TV revenues. You compare that to football globally, and football is a far bigger global yeah. fan base yeah, yeah, yeah. than the NFL, and yet the Premier League's bringing in less money. So he he's clearly of the view that there is a way of monetizing uh, football to a greater extent. But you know, my view is if you take a look at an NFL game, you normally – get between I think it is is it 10 to 12 minutes of actual sport taking place yeah yeah and the rest of it is all stops and all of those stops feature adverts yeah. whereas football you do have 45 minutes then you've got a 15 minute break and you've got yeah you know, you've got the pundits talking for a few of those minutes and then you've got another 45 minutes of sport so um you know un- unless he's thinking that you know football should be split into quarters and I know that that was a proposal uh, by some people, which which possibly would get you almost as angry as you are with with Arsene Wenger and his kick in proposals. Don't, 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 don't want to poke the bear. Don't want to poke the bear. <laughs> Let's not pull at that, Fred. <laughs> right. That, that would that really would be the if we if we start going four quarters. That's the day the season goes back at the end <laughs> at the end of the season. Obviously, but yeah. of course, yeah. In in, in four parts, presumably. In four- <laughs> I'm Steve Lamack and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode we discuss the very latest goings on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. John Texter, a US businessman and major shareholder at my club, Crystal Palace, is close to reaching an agreement to buy a significant stake in Olympic Lyonnais, which I believe the fourth club he will have money in if he does. Uh, it's led a lot of Palace fans on the social media to suggest that perhaps he invests a bit more of his money in us rather than spending it all and buying new clubs. But uh, I think that's partly because a lot of Palace fans went out and bought Botafogo shirts and now I think they've got to go out and buy Olympic Lyonnais shirts as well. But it's an interesting, he's, he's clearly expanding his portfolio, Kieran, isn't he? Yes, he is. And uh, I think it's interesting if, if we take a look at some of the comments that he's come out with, with regards to the multi-club model. Uh, and he sees these investments as as being quite independent of one another. Whereas if we take a look at some of the, the other multi-club models, so that you know, the people that own Barnsley and, and some other clubs, uh, the, uh, the Matthew Benham, at, at Brentford, and he's also got a Danish club yeah. uh, and so on. They, they tend to have reasonably close links in, in terms of sponsors, kit manufacturers and so on. I think yeah, the classic case for that would be uh, the City Football Group 
because uh, I, I was watching somebody yesterday. And I thought, blimey, I don't recognise him. And it, cause it looked as if it was a Manchester City player. It had Etihad Airways on the front of the shirt and it was light blue. And then only that I realised that it was actually a, you know, another club in a completely different country, but yeah. happened to be owned by the City Football Group. So it looks as if Texter is, is going to try to keep these clubs independent of each other. And he just believes, uh, you know, going back to what we've been saying uh, in response to Todd Bowley, that there is uh, undervalue in football. He's a wealthy individual and he's going to uh, you know, buy, buy into clubs with a view to uh, exp- you know, generating that value and leveraging on the back of it. Hmm. He seems an interesting chap. And I have to say, he, he sells himself very well as a, a blue-collar working-class you know, background operative. He, uh, he, I, I'm fairly sure I told you that while we were doing the... Marathon March last season, he gave FYP, the Palace podcast, we were walking with a $10,000 donation halfway round. Wow. Um, Fair play to it. Yeah, yeah, we did work out it was 3 a.m. in Florida, so perhaps he would, he'd been in a casino, we don't know. But still, he sent it with a message saying that, you know, the community and the working class community is very important to him. So he, he certainly talks a good fight, but it, there are... It, I think the reason Palace fans are so interested in this is because there's constant speculation about him buying out Harris and Blitzer, mm, mm. who are our major shareholders. And it, it seems that the more money he spends on buying other clubs, it, it makes it less likely that he's likely to become the major or the sole owner of, of Crystal Palace. I wouldn't necessarily subscribe to that because if his wealth is as it is estimated to be, he can afford to do both. Yeah, you know, oh, okay. he can afford to. So, um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried about that. I think it's, it's a business decision on his behalf, and, and we don't know how much Harrison Blitzer are, are asking for their shares. Yeah, you know, it could be uh, more of a negotiation issue than anything else. I, I, I don't, I don't see the amount of money uh, ultimately being an issue in terms of can he afford it. It's whether or not he thinks that there is value in the price that's being asked. Have you just backhandedly insulted Palace here, Kieran, by inferring that we're a cheap club? Oh, no, implying. No. I infer, you imply. Oh, my God, my father-in-law would be so upset that they're doing that. <laughs> um, this is a name we haven't heard for a while, Kieran, Mike Ashley. Mm. Uh, he's, he's probably for the best, but he's cropped up this week and, uh, with an interesting claim. I don't know why he's come public on this, Kieran, but he's held talks. he claims that he held talks with Newcastle's new owners about retaining shares or a stake in the club. Yes, this was as part of the... Uh... You know the the the, the long uh, the long winded uh, acquisition of Newcastle United by PIF, but uh, you know he, he is saying now that uh, that there were discussions and, and we don't know how far they they got with regards to uh, PIF that he would retain a stake. Um, he did he did take back seventeen and a half million pounds of a loan to the club before the takeover. Took place, so it could be that originally he was going to not repay any of that loan and perhaps keep, you know, probably five percent or something, just to, just for, you know, for whatever the reasons were. Um, at the same time, he is, uh, yeah, we know that there is litigation potentially between Mike Ashley and the administrators of Derby County. There appears to be ongoing litigation between Mike Ashley and Amanda Staveley. Um, he lent. Her, her part of the consortium some money uh, and that was on the proviso that once the took takeover uh, did take place um, that there was no criticism of Mike Ashley oh. and I think Amanda Staveley said something along the lines of we're, we're looking to take down yeah we're looking forward to taking down the sports direct advertising now that to me isn't criticism mm. um, and that's going to perform the, you know part of their defense um, you know, it was simply a case of it has been closely linked Sports Direct to Mike Ashley. There's a new team in. Um, we've managed to sell those those advertising rights and so on. Um, but it, things do seem, you know, for, for a man that you get the impression is very thick skinned. Yeah. Uh, because he, he, you know, he, he, he's uh, uh, his popularity uh, in Newcastle is is. is not great, um, but that seems to not bother him at all. But uh, yeah, a, a relatively, you know, I, I think, a, an ambiguous comment at, at worst uh, has has resulted in more litigation. And you know, if, if if I'm a silver-tongued friend 
of Mike Ashley, I'd be saying, well, you, know, you perhaps you have got a case here. But it, it's it's a strange it's a strange thing for him to come out with because he he is he is normally very silent. You know, try, trying to get you know, words out of Mike Ashley is quite a challenge. Yeah, to the extent that it makes you wonder whether there's an ulterior motive. Though, is it standard practice, Kieran, in business that you would you would lend somebody money on the basis that they don't then criticise you afterwards, or is that something that's unique? Uh, everything's unique, I think, when it when it comes to football. Uh, oh. <laughs> now, now there is, there is a case for saying because what, what you know, a, a standard business practice is is that when you've got new owners in, they. And anything to do with bad news, yeah. And, and let's face it, yeah, we've only got to look at government to do this. Yeah, um, any bad news that they've got in the first twelve months is firmly put, uh, you know, blamed on on their predecessors. Um, and any good news they claim for themselves. So, um, you know, this this could be uh, you know, some something similar here. So this was what what he didn't want. He he, Mike Ashley feels um, that over the fourteen year period of which he was the the owner. Of Newcastle United, he he ran a stable ship, and and financially he did, um, and that uh, he feels that he has been demonised unreasonably yeah. and unfairly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and my I, my view all along is that from a business sustainability point of view, he he did run Newcastle uh, as 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 a solid organisation, but that yeah, we're fans, we're not interested in that. Yeah. yeah, and any any fan that says, "Oh yes, I want sustainability above glory," is, is probably telling you what they think you want to hear. But actually, yeah, we, we all want to see new signings. We want to see victories. We want to see cup runs. We want to see, uh, you know, attempts to get into Europe and so on. And and that's that's the nature of of being a football fan. Um, so uh, you know, he's 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 certainly not the best owner in football. But I've also said I've also think he's he's far from the worst as well. He's just there was there was just a bad relationship between him and the Newcastle fan base. Yeah, and I think if you're a Derby fan at the moment, you would happily take him as your new owner if it was to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Gary Neville isn't happy. Oh, there's a second part of that. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Neville isn't happy with Manchester United's chief finance officer. Why is that, Kieran? Well, um, the chief finance officer, a gentleman called Cliff Beatty, or Batty, I'm not quite yeah. sure, it's only got one T, so yeah, that's, oh, okay. that's, a, that's a dilemma. Uh, so Cliff Beatty, I think I'm going to go for. Um, we, we know that following the demise of Super League, um, some some of the clubs in Europe, in fact, quite a lot of the clubs in Europe, are saying to UEFA, we, we need to revisit how UEFA money is split between clubs. Right. And uh, presently, under the UEFA distribution model, 30% of uh, Champions League money, for example, is allocated on what is known as a 10-year coefficient, which effectively, it, it, it ranks all of the 32, soon to be 36 clubs, in the Champions League on the number of victories, the progress that they've made in European competition over the last 10 years. So therefore, for a club like Manchester United, even though it's it's only it's won the Europa League, hasn't it, once it's during that period, it's still qualified for the Champions League. It's it's got to the you know the quarterfinals or the last 16 on a regular basis. It it's actually has quite a high 10-year coefficient. Um, and uh, Cliff Beatty says, well, you know, we don't think we should lose this because we have the certainty of revenue. So it's the equivalent of parachute payments, but not parachute payments. And then he came out with this comment, uh, which I think is textbook Glazer style um, comment. We all know where the value is created. Let's not kid, kid ourselves. And, and let's not kid ourselves either. Yeah, Manchester United is a huge football club with a huge yeah. fan base. Nobody's denying that. And also, you know, if, if we look at our clubs, we we don't we don't expect our fa- our football clubs to generate as much money to, as Manchester United because Palace and Brighton are not as big as United. So, what he's concerned about is the the additional money from if United have two or three bad seasons, they still get more than clubs from say Portugal or the Netherlands who might get to say the semi-finals of the Champions League and United get locked knocked out in the last 16 because United have this this sort of uh, this parachute of 10 you know money 
uh, from the last 10 years. Um, so you know, it's what what appears to be is uh, you know he's he's effectively saying that uh, football is better off if the big clubs have more of the cake. Um, and I think this is a classic case of of trip, trickle down economics, and we yeah. saw this with both Project Big Picture, of which Manchester United were significant authors, and Super League, um, that. If the rich people get more money, then everybody benefits. And, and you know, we, we refer to that as trickle-down economics. And trickle-down economics says that the, the, the supporters of trickle-down economics say if, if the rich get more, then they're in a position to give more to those who are less rich. Now, as somebody that you know, does have a background in economics, this is how trickle-down economics actually works. The rich get more, full stop. And... You know, anybody that falls for that, you know, falls for the, the spiel, is 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 in my view having having the wool pulled over their eyes. Yeah, I think anybody who was uh, an adult between nineteen seventy nine and nineteen ninety one realised that trickle down economics doesn't always trickle down. Uh, who was the Man United executive who seemed to spend most of the weekend in the pub telling fans that they pissed loads of money up against the wall in the last ten years? Yeah, that's the that's the new chief exec. Uh, that's Arnold. Um, uh, so so some some Manchester United fans. You know, we, 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 it's, it's these people are they live in very very nice places because he's, he's very well remunerated. And and I'm not going to criticise Manchester United for that. That's that's up for them to make those decisions. Um, so it looked as if uh, a bunch of unhappy United fans were planning on paying him a visit at home. I don't. You know, I'm 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 a big believer in non-violent direct action Absolutely. i don't feel particularly comfortable with that type of thing uh because yeah ultimately you know he's a bloke who's got a family living there as well and having a bunch of of herberts you know, at the gate sort of perhaps not in the best of moods you know could could be a bit frightening for the family so uh he got wind of this and he agreed to meet them down the pub and yeah he he did come out and say uh, some things which wouldn't necessarily uh, fall particularly uh, fulsome of praise in respect of the Glazers with regards to uh, Man- Manchester United have spent an awful lot of money in the transfer market. Um, they've also generated far less money in the transfer market from player sales than their peer group, you know, the likes of Chelsea. I think I think I did, I did some calculations for somebody, and I think uh, over the last ten years. United have had player sales of about 170 million, of which yeah. half of that was Lukaku. Uh, whereas Liverpool have generated uh, close to 400 million, uh, Chelsea have generated 500 million, City have generated 300 million, and so on. So, so United have not been good at, uh, at in, in the in the player trading market. Um, so, I, th- I think he's he's earned a, a few brownie points among some Manchester United fans. Uh, you know, I think he used language which was uh, uh, which was industrial, which which is which is fine. Again, yeah, we, we you know, off air, we we have been known to say the off blasphemous thing. It's fair to say, um, so I've no issue with that. Um, you know, Gary Neville says Manchester United board should should concentrate on better distribution and the wider interests of the game. That came from neither Cliff Beatty or, or Arnold. Um, uh, and uh, also, I've I've heard some other things which he said, which we uh, don't present him in a particularly good light. But uh, again, not for this show. Ah, well, that makes me even more determined to get him on as a guest for this pod. <laughs> but we have to do it about half past ten at night in a pub, where we've given him a couple of pints of lager, and we record it on a phone, and he doesn't know we're doing it. Uh, Lincoln <laughs> City, Kieran, are a team that have always been on your good step. We're, we're mm. fans of Lincoln City. Uh, but investors have put money into the club just a days ago for the tenth time in the last twelve months. Why is that, Kieran? And is it healthy? Um, it, it's healthy in the sense that um, you know, Lincoln City, like most of the clubs in the EFL, are running at a loss. Um, the the shareholders have put in uh, around about six hundred grand uh, last month. Um, and, and we've also seen uh, Preston North End. Uh, you know, you know, we, we spoke about the sad, the sad loss of Trevor Hemmings, but his yeah. family have continued to support Preston. They've just put in one point eight million today. Um, oh, wow. okay. And 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 the good thing about 
putting money into a club this way is that you you put it in as and when needed but it's not being put in in the form of a loan so therefore there's no obligation to have to repay this money at a later date so uh yeah certainly fair play to lincoln uh i think that their ownership model and structure and the governance and the transparency at the club uh is 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 of a standard which other clubs should try to subscribe because uh you know, you know if you think about what happened when we went to accrington stanley Andy Holt will talk to anybody. You know, he 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 doesn't yeah. He, yeah. he doesn't hold himself up in ivory ivory towers, and he speaks to fans, and he is completely frank and honest with them, and they respect them for they respect him, and they respect the club for that. I think the same is true at Lincoln. Um, and if you if you want to get fans on board, treat them as adults, explain things, and don't use press releases and management speak, just, just be honest with people. And it's amazing the response that you will get. Yeah. Uh, speaking of going to Accrington, uh, Kieran, uh, we weren't going to mention this, but we are hoping to announce within the next couple of weeks the location for our next uh, tour date. And we're, we're not giving much away, but we're hoping it will be in the West Country, the Far West. But we will let you know more details about that as soon as we have them. It will be very late summer, early autumn, and we can't wait. We're hoping to do even more in the new year because we really enjoy it. Uh, the penultimate story, Kieran, is a a big one that didn't really make the ripples I thought it would do. Samuel Eto, who was one of the best players in the world for a time, has pleaded guilty, pleaded guilty to a £3.2 million tax fraud relating to his image rights while playing for Barcelona. We've talked before, Kira, rather you have talked about the ways of using image rights to pay players and maybe to get around various things, but that's, that's a huge amount of money that he's admitted to, isn't it? Yes, I mean it's it's a tax. Uh, it's it's paying the tax and playing penalties on top. Uh, I mean, Samuelito at one point was the highest paid player in the world when wow. he ended up playing in in, in Russia. Uh, right. you know, uh, of course, we mentioned um, last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, his defence is: you know, I'm a football player. I'm I'm not I'm not involved with things, and I trust my agent implicitly. Uh, he's always been a father figure to me, and if he says sign this document, I sign this document. Yeah, and and I, I do feel a degree of sympathy towards that because um, if you are not a professional in these areas, then then you know if 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 I want pensions advice, I go to a pensions advisor. If I want mortgage advice, I go to a mortgage advisor. Well, in terms of his image rights, if his manager says we've arranged this for you, sign here. Um, <clears throat> he he has done that, but he's he's admitted that uh, you know he. Ultimately, it is his responsibility. Uh, it looks like he's going to pay that money across in good faith. Under Spanish law, um, he, I think he gets a suspended sentence as well, but provided you have not been previously imprisoned under Spanish law, you know, for these type of offences, it, you, know, you, you don't end up, end up in the clink. You don't end up like you know, right. Boris Becker, for example. Right, okay. Um, and finally, Kieran, a new study has found that Bramu, is the best-run club in Europe. Uh, some of our listeners may prefer me to call it Bromby, but I've spent most of the day trying to find out how you actually pronounce it. And Brambu, I even texted Sandy Toxvig, who said, wow. how did you get my number? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going with Brambu. The best-run club in Europe, apparently, Kira. So what lessons can we all learn from that? Yeah, well, th- this, is, uh, this is research done by... Uh, off the pitch, who are a uh, Scandinavian sort of uh, yeah. analytics firm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they they put out a regular document, and uh, you know, I've I've written for them in the past. I, I know the guys. Uh, you know that they're very very enthusiastic about what they do, um, and, and it is sort of uh, a measure of wage control and profitability. Um, I think there are a couple of Scottish clubs in the top ten who are, who are neither Rangers nor Celtic, which has provoked uh, you know, one or two articles in the Scottish press. Uh, but uh, yeah, f- fair play to uh, uh, Brandbu, uh because <laughs> they 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 live within their means, and uh, we, we use a profit measure called EBITDA, um, which is uh, a sort of a cash proxy for profit, and uh, you, you compare that to uh, you compare that to revenue as well, and and they've done done extremely well. So so fair play to them. Um, 
other other metrics are available. So I'm, I'm always a bit loath to say we should use one criteria upon which to to make any overall judgment of a club. But uh, you know, th- this does appear that uh, you know, I think Scottish football and Scandinavian football. I've, I've given Scottish football a lot of praise uh, since we started this show. Um, they they are very good at living uh, within their means and and not gambling the future um, of the club and and yeah, taking a sustainable approach. Any English clubs in the top ten? Not to my knowledge, no. No. <laughs> okay. Too busy, too busy chasing the dream. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to join them and make a small monthly contribution to the pod, then thank you very much. That'd be very kind of you. Go to patreon.com slash price of football. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at price of com. And Monday is the day for our question show. In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, as always, uh, folks, thank you so much for the engagement and the support. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it does it does keep us on our toes and, and, and we genuinely uh, appreciate uh, your contributions. Um, you, you can support us uh, at Patreon for as little as a pound a month. Um, but there are other ways of, of showing your love and giving us some positive vibes. Um, and that's to go onto your app from which you download your, your podcast, um, and you can give us a review. And if you can give us yeah, five stars, if you think we're worth it, you know, not clear, we're, not, we're not asking you to, to do that if you don't. Um, it, it helps us in the charts. Uh, it helps our credibility when we are trying to, to get guests on the show uh, and so on. Uh, and by all accounts, it, it doesn't matter what you actually say in the review. Um, you could say you would rather have the show presented by Alan Wicker and Chris Eubank. And it, it wouldn't, wouldn't make a blind bit of difference to us. Honest. <laughs> uh, I, I met one of those chaps. Uh, it wasn't Alan Wicker. Uh, I remember working, working on They Think It's All Over a long time ago when Chris Eubank was a guest and he arrived wearing the most wonderful three-piece check suit, uh, which was fine, and a monocle, which was fine. Uh, but he was also on a skateboard. Uh, which was was less fine because the office was at the bottom of the stairs. Uh, And he he basically, he went around, there's about eight of us in the room, including Gary Lucan, and and said, how how many children do you have? One, two. And he came to me and said, how many children do you have? I said, one. He said, boy or a girl? I said, boy. He said, you are the only heterosexual in the room. (laughs) Uh, And we asked him to explain what may. And he 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 wouldn't explain. He just he was the most fascinating. Uh, and then the next time we met him, he was uh, living in a front of a lorry in Brighton, just down the road from you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, I, I very much like the tweet we had. Who said, "I've sent you a five star review, and I've suggested that it be presented by a random presenter one and a random presenter two. So, uh, yes. <laughs> bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football. I'm for the